Welcome to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you can find links to our social media accounts. Led by Pastor Mike Deese, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Now presenting this week's message. Good morning, Cross Point. Come on, we can do better than that. Good morning, Cross Point. All right, that song is amazing. If we can see how much he's worth, thank you, Lord. If we can just get a glimpse of his glory, of his beauty, the Bible tells us that he dwells in unapproachable light. How amazing is that? Unapproachable. We can't come close because he is so holy, so magnificent, magnificent, so awesome. Can we one more time put our hands together for our awesome king? He's so good. He's awesome. Our God is awesome. He is lovely. Thank you, Father. So it's a blessing to be here. It's a privilege of being here. Thank you, Pastor Mike, for allowing me to share God's word this morning. And uh, so if you don't know who I am, my name is Aaron Miller, and my wife and I, Stephanie, just moved here from Virginia, VA. Anybody from, uh, got some VA family? Anybody? No? Cool. It's cool. It's cool. Now you do. Now you have some uh, prior Virginia residents. So uh, we are excited to be here, to be on staff. We're excited to see what God's going to do in this church through you guys, through, and to partner with what you guys have already been doing. You're reaching the nations. You're reaching the community. And uh, we get to be a part of it. So thank you so much for allowing us to be here. And then we also want to say thank you for uh, helping us get settled in. We are all packed in. We're all packed away. We got our stuff put together. Our house is looking nice. Uh, we would love for you guys to come over to the hill or left hill or the bass house or grandma's or the millers and brands, whatever you want to call it. We want you come to come over and uh, have some good cooking. Okay. So thank you for all your help, your prayers, your support. Thank you for uh, helping us unpack everything. Uh, we just really appreciate it. And uh, we feel like family already. All right. So before we get started, we're going to play a game. Who likes to play games? Aha, uh-huh, yes. All right. So we're going to play a game. And the game is two truths and a lie. Okay. The game works like this. I'm going to tell you three statements and you have to guess which one of these statements is a lie. Okay. You guys are smart. All right. So three statements. You ready for them? Okay. This is super easy. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've been in several music videos. I'm allergic. To, I'm allergic to shrimp and I love to play the drums. Which one is the lie? Think hard about it. Don't, uh, we got a, we got a hand? You said number one. Anybody else? Got a different answer? Different answer. Two? Two? Allergic to shrimp? Okay. What you got, Jonathan? Uh, I would, I would say maybe shrimp. Shrimp? Okay, we got, so two for two. Anybody else? Anybody else? One more, one more, one more. Scrimp? You think it's scrimp? Okay. Scrimp? All right. So, you think it's two? All right. So, I am actually allergic to shrimp, and uh, it was Stephanie who cooked it. And she almost killed me, but it's okay. I forgive her. She's forgiven. It's under the blood. It's for, you know, it's in the past. It's in the past. Just let it go. I'll let it go. Uh, so yeah, so that's when I actually found out that I was really allergic because she cooked it. She cooked shrimp and grits and I destroyed the entire bowl and I ate it up, licked the bottom of it and almost died. Not, not really. I just, I just had hives all over and I hopped in the shower, a cold shower to try to do something. I don't know what I was doing. And, um, and then I hopped out. It wasn't working. So we put like a cold towel on my neck. So if anybody has shrimp allergies, 
maybe put a towel on your neck, a cold towel, and it worked. I was knocked out and I was fine. So do that or call the ambulance. Um, so, so that, that could work too. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so the, the false, the lie was that I was in several music videos, but I appreciate that you think that I've been in several music videos. I've only been in one. I've only been in one. So I appreciate that you guys think I'm pretty cool. That's, thank you. Uh, so I've been in one music video and it was because I was looking like a hot mess. Okay. So the first year of the school of ministry I attended in Atlanta, uh, they tell you to do this thing called a covenant. And in the covenant, you are supposed to uh, get rid of some things in your life, to give up some things, uh, to seek the Lord with all you have. So the first year, you know, I was going through the list. All right, I won't do that. Okay, me and Steph, we were digging at the time. Okay, babe, we got to probably cut it off for a little bit so I can focus on Jesus. And I was going through the list. And then the last thing I thought about was, man, okay, I guess my hair, right? So I, I don't know if anybody has this thing, but I didn't cut my hair uh, for the whole year because I was, I was, I was vain at the time. I cared about my hair and my, the line had to be straight and all this crap. So, um, so I didn't cut it. So I was looking like a hot mess. I had patches all over my face and, uh, some guys were like, Hey, Hey man, Hey, we we're just talking. Uh, Hey, we're, we're doing this video. You want to be part of this video? And I was like, yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah. They were like, yeah. So, Hey, you want to play the crackhead in the music video? <laughs> you want to play a crackhead? In the music video? Heck yeah, man, I'm a crackhead in the music video. So I was a crackhead in the music video because I was looking like a hot mess. I'll show it to you guys afterwards. It's the real deal. It's pretty terrible though. I was looking, yeah, it's pretty, pretty bad. So there you go. So that's a little bit about me. Uh, there's more to come to learn about my wife and I, who I love dearly. Um, so we're going we're gonna to get started. Please join me in a word of prayer. God, you are awesome. God, you're holy. You are magnificent. God, you are righteous. You are, you are wonderful, God. You are beautiful. Thank you, Jesus, for being here already. Thank you, Father, for waking us up this morning, for giving us life, for giving us health, for giving us strength. Thank you, Father, for your word that we have access to it, that we can just talk to you and hear us. Thank you, Father, for every single heart in this room. I pray that right now, as I'm speaking, that your words will come through me and that you would touch the hearts of your children, that you would just speak truth into their lives. I thank you, Father, that you are who you say you are, and we can count on you. We can trust you. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. And everybody says, amen, amen. All right, so how many guys have been have been enjoying the Living with the End in Mind series? You guys been enjoying that? It's been awesome. Okay, two, two people. Man, okay. What's up, guys? <laughs> Let's talk. Let's talk. So I've been enjoying it. It's been awesome. Listen to the podcast. And uh, last week, Pastor Mike has had access to... Um, to, to study, if you want to think like Jesus, you have to study the words of Jesus, right? So you got to, th- if you want to think like more like him, then study his words, study the reasons he, why he did the things he did, study his miracles, study all of Jesus, study his words. And so I've had the privilege of, as I'm prepping this message to study all of Jesus's words when it comes to the topic of truth. So uh, what I'm going to be doing, we're going to be looking at the story in the Bible between Jesus and the Pharisees. And as, as they're talking, uh, Jesus ha- is really having a debate between the, the Pharisees and uh, the Jews at the time that were there that actually became to believe in him. And uh, it's a it's a really it's a really heated debate. And uh, read the whole thing when you get a chance, like John 8, um, like 12 through 44, even past that. It's really, really uh, just tense. It's so tense, and it's amazing to see just the power and the the authority that Jesus has. So we're going to start in verse 12 in John chapter 8, and um, I'm going to be paraphrasing kind of through, but you can read along with me, but I'm going to just 
kind of, you know, making, making it my own words, but um, I'm going to be paraphrasing. So starting in verse 12, uh, Jesus says, and Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, I don't know if you guys remembered uh, Rachel Deese give a word a couple weeks ago. And she, she mentioned that that we don't you know, we don't have to go out, you know, into the across the country. But right here where we are in our context, in the grocery store, gas station, wherever we are, we can be the light of the world. And as she was talking about what Jesus said right here. And uh, it's cool because Jesus makes a lot of I am statements. Right. You guys know these statements. You've heard it before. And I love that he he declares who he is. And every time Jesus declares who he is, there's a reaction. Every time there's a declaration of who he is, his supremacy, there's a reaction. And most of the time, it's not a good reaction. So we see that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the I am the way, the truth and the and I'm the true vine, right? So I love that Jesus declares who he is and he's declaring it to darkness and he is declaring that he is who he says he is and darkness can't comprehend it. So, um, yeah, so Jesus says who he is. He says, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees say to him, so your testimony, what you're saying right now, your testimony is not true. Like you, you're declaring to be this guy, but your testimony is not true. They're essentially calling him a liar, saying, Jesus, you're lying right now. What you're saying is not true. He called, they called him a liar. And so Jesus says, my testimony is true, for I know where I'm coming from and I know where I'm going. But you don't know where I'm coming from and you don't know where I'm going. And you don't know this because you're judging me with physical eyes that you have. And I'm not judging anyone. But if I were to judge, then my judgment will be true. Because I'm not alone in my judgment and just how your law states what your law declares when there is a, a testimony of two people, it's true. So he's going in their face. He's speaking the truth. He is just going at it and saying, look, I'm speaking the truth and I'm declaring who I am. And they're not they're not comprehending. So they said to him, all right, you're with your you're saying you have a you know, you have another you have your father with you. But where is your father? Where is your father? You're talking about Joseph. Where's your father? And Jesus goes on to say, you don't know me, neither my father. For had you known me, you would also know my father. Right. So later on, we see as the verse continues in summary, Jesus goes on to say, if you don't. Here's the deal, guys. If you don't believe who I'm claiming to be, which is the light of the world. You're going to die in your sins. If you don't believe who I am, you will die in your sins. And then they ask again, so, okay, all right, so who are you? Who are you claiming to be? And I can just imagine the frustration of Jesus. I literally just told you who I am. He said, I've already told you this. I'm the light of the world. And Jesus said, and then in, I love how Jesus speaks in Jesus' fashion. He never really answers a question directly. You guys, you notice that how he doesn't answer a question. He always speaks these eternal truths for people who are really listening, for people who really have ears to Heirs to hear, right? He doesn't really answer the question directly, but he gives these eternal truths that are so monumental to people who really want to hear what he's saying. And so what he says is, in short, when you kill me, because I know you're trying to, then you will see that I am who I am. When you, when you kill me, when you raise me up, then you will see that I am he. So let's continue in verse 28 here in uh, John chapter 8. 
It says, so Jesus said, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he. And I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak the things as a father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. How many of you here want to do the things that are always pleasing to the Lord? Amen. Always, always. As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. So people came to believe in Jesus because of the things he was speaking about himself. So Jesus was saying to those who had believed him, you continue. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. God's desire. God's heart's desire is for all of us to be in freedom. God's heart, his heartbeat is that all of his children will live a life in freedom. The Bible tells us in Galatians 5.1 that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. For freedom's sake is why he did it, so that you would be free. Think about a child, right? Freedom is, freedom is trust. That's what freedom is. Think about a little child who's running around in freedom because they trust. They trust the environment they're in. They trust the people in, who are over them, the leaders. They trust their parents. They're in so much freedom because they trust. And it's a beautiful thing. Isn't it beautiful when you see a child running around? They're so cute. They're so adorable. They're so innocent. But now think about, man, that's like... Can't swallow that thing is like man that's <laughs> y'all heard that it's like a big gulp you hear that <laughs> sounds like a frog in my throat I'm gonna take some water really quick a little laugh break so um think about a child right a child they're innocent it's so adorable when they're walking around you know but now think about a child who doesn't have that innocence a small child who for whatever reason they lost that freedom because of trauma in their life. Something has happened to them. And they're a little child, but they have, they don't trust people. They don't trust environments easily, as a child should. And they, they now live in this sense of fear because they've been hurt or they saw something happen that they shouldn't have seen. It's a sad thing when you see a child that has lost their innocence. And the same way, that's sad. It breaks the heart of the father when he sees us as his children, not walking in freedom. It breaks his heart because he knows how we're supposed to operate. He wired us to operate in freedom. And it breaks his heart when we are living as children, not in freedom, but under bondage of Satan. So Jesus, God desires freedom for our soul. God desires us to live in freedom to trust him, to trust his word, to trust his truth. Satan, he desires bondage. He wants bondage. He wants us to be stuck. When you're in bondage, you're stuck. You're stuck doing the same thing over and over. You're stuck in the same sin. You're stuck in the same mindset. You're stuck around the same people who may bring you down. You're stuck and there's nowhere to go. And you're stuck because you're, you're in darkness and you can't, you can't see anywhere else to go. And so darkness is bondage. But remember, Jesus says that he is a light of the world. 
He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so there is a correlation between his truth and his light, but also with bondage and darkness. So God is calling us out of darkness, out of bondage into his light, into truth. And I wish I can say to you all as believers that the moment you give your life to Christ, the moment you say, Jesus, I trust you, the moment you say, God, I surrender my all, I'm going to give it all to you. I wish I can stand here and say confidently that, yeah, life actually gets better. It gets better. We actually are able to deal with things easier. You know, we're able to, when lies come, we're able to just knock it off quickly. We read the Bible and we go to Sunday school and it actually helps and we actually get better and we actually are better Christians. I wish I can say that, but that's far from the truth, right? We all deal with a sense of bondage. We all deal with the sense of bondage in our minds that, that Satan has made us believe. And even in my own life, I was in bondage as well. I was in a physical bondage, also spiritual. And uh, it was for three years. I was addicted for three years. I was addicted to pornography for three years. That was my bondage. Just for no reason, just I, would, it was, I was numb to it, completely numb to it. And um, it was only the word, it was only the power of God that broke it. But it happened, it all started because of direct TV. This is not a hidden truth, this is just direct TV, right? We had cable and I, it, you know, watching nonsense, then that there started three years of being in bondage, being in, you know, slavery to that. And it got to the point, it got really bad, guys. It got bad. I had to tell somebody. It got bad. But you would not believe who I had to tell. You would not believe it if I told you, but I'm going to tell you and you will believe me. <laughs> I had to tell my mother. My mom, mommy, mom, <laughs> I had to tell her. And it, I, it, because for whatever reason, that day, she was the only person there. And it was so heavy on my mind to just get rid of it, to get free. And I had to tell somebody. It was so heavy on me that day. You got to get freedom. You got to get out of this. And so she's doing laundry. Hey, Ma, how's it going? Doing laundry again? It's good. Great. Right? So I'm having to figure out how to have this conversation with my mom to tell her about this. But I wanted out of that bondage. I was desperate to get out of it. And I was willing to do anything and tell anybody to get out of that bondage that Satan, Satan had me under. So I told her, and my mom is an angel. She is a saint. Like, she does no wrong. But she does. She's human. She's very, she's full of failures. Just kidding. But she is Perfect, okay? She's just the sweetest person ever. So sweet. And I told her, and she was like, it's okay, son. You don't have to. I'm like, I know, mom. I don't have to. It's a struggle, right? And so I told her, you know, and it, I told her she got rid of uh, DirecTV, all this. And um, But since that day, since that day, been walking away from that, walking away, choosing his truth, choosing to to stand on the word of God. And so Shortly went to the school of ministry and been filled with the word and allowing God to just transform me from the inside out. But I, I say that story just to let you know that 
bondage is not just the act of a sin. It's not just the when we make a sin, when, when we gossip, when we lie, when we uh, when we curse, when we bondage takes place in our in our in our minds and in our hearts. That's where it takes place. The bondage happens. And Satan will love for us to stay there. He will love for us to be captive by him. He will love that. But the Pharisees at the time did not understand the concept of this bondage that was spiritual. They didn't understand it. So continuing in verse 33, after he's told them that the truth will make you free, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. God desires us not to be slaves, but to be sons and daughters who walk in freedom. Sons and daughters who live a life of freedom. Sons and daughters who trust their father, who live their life trusting his words, holding on to his truth. And so they, don't, they didn't understand the concept that Jesus was talking about a spiritual bondage through sin. So the conversation continues with Jesus and the Pharisees. And uh, Jesus alludes to them not having Abraham not being their father. So he alludes to them not being Abraham, not being their father. Because he says, hey, in 37, he says, I know you are Abraham's descendants, but you are trying to kill me. I'm, I do what my father says, and you also do what your father says. And so, again, they're just missing the point completely. But Jesus is throwing it out there for those who are really listening, those who have ears to hear, those whose spirit has been crushed, those who are, have the contrite heart, who want to hear the truth. And so, again, again, they're like, okay, I agree with you. Yeah, all right, Abraham is our father. What's your point? I get it. Again, Jesus is trying to hint at them, hint to them that Abraham is not really their father. He says, look, if Abraham is really your father, you wouldn't try to kill me. You would not try to kill me because that's not what Abraham would do. Instead, you're doing the deeds of your father again. So there, it must be so frustrating because he's saying your father and they're saying it's Abraham. And he's saying your father and they're saying it's Abraham. So there's this like, what, like Jesus, what are you trying to say? Where, who is this father figure that you're mentioning that we're completely unaware of? Who is this guy? Who are you talking about? So I can imagine the frustration between the, that tension. You can probably feel that tension there. Jesus keeps pointing at you. Don't, that's not your father. That's not what I'm talking about. And so I can imagine them getting frustrated to the point where they say, okay, I'm going to just say the right, the right answer, say something just to appease this guy, all right? In the effort to see him that way, they say, all right, we only have one father. We only have one father, and he is God. We're not illegitimate children. We only have one father, and he's God. Bingo. That's it. There you go. I was waiting for you to say that. I was waiting for you to get to that point where you said that out your mouth so I can now tell you the truth. I was waiting for you to speak that lie so I can replace it with truth. I was waiting for you to say it out your mouth and confess it so I can tell you what the truth really is. 
Verse 44 says, you are of your father, the, de the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Wow. Satan cannot speak any other language outside of lies. He has no other way of communicating outside of lying to people. He, he does not know how. Finally, Jesus exposes the hearts of the Pharisees and he exposes Satan for who he is. And I love the fact that it's not Peter, it's not Paul, it's not John, it's not any other New Testament writer, but it is Jesus himself, the son of the living God, who calls out Satan. Jesus calls out the accuser of the brethren. Jesus calls him out and says who he is. Jesus says, you are a lying father. That's what you do, and that's who you are. Earlier, remember, they tried to tell Jesus that he was lying about his testimony, but he revealed to them that I'm not the one lying, but there's somebody you are listening to that's lying to you. There's somebody that you are listening to in your ears trying to plot to kill me. I'm not the one lying. It's the father who is lying to you, the father of lies. I don't know who's in here who's listening to that voice, but I know I'm guilty of listening to that voice as well. The voice of the lying father. Can you imagine a father... That's all he does. He lies. He lies, but he's still a father, so he will love on you, bring you close, say, hey, it's okay. I know nobody wants you. It's okay. It's fine. It's okay. I know you're, you're kind of weird. It's fine, though. I'm here for you. Can you imagine a lying father? The effects of it. So, those lies create barriers in our minds. Those lies create this force field around us that we can't escape. And another way, another way to describe those lies that overtake our mind would be a stronghold. I love how this pastor in uh, Oklahoma, Craig Rochelle, describes of what a stronghold really is. He says that uh, him and a, a co-worker were in the office at church, and they were just kind of hanging out, and um, he had a meeting that day. And he told him, hey, look, I got this very important meeting. Don't mess around with me. I know we were just joking around earlier, but just just don't come anywhere close to me when I have this meeting. So he had the meeting and he kept coming in the door, bugging him, you know, for random stuff that didn't make any sense. And he was getting so mad at him. And so after the meeting, they're in the office kind of running around. He's trying to find him. He finally finds him and he puts him in the closet, shuts the door. He says, I'm going to put this chair underneath this doorknob so you won't get out. So he closes the door. I'm going to put this chair here. He doesn't put a chair there. He's lied to him. But that guy thought there was a chair there. He thought he couldn't get out because there was a chair by the door. So he was stuck in that prison with a lie. Strongholds are, is a lie. It's a prison of lies. That's what it is. And there are strongholds to be broken. The Bible is clear about that, that we can break strongholds and tear down imaginations and any high thing that tries to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. 
bringing every thought into captivity. And that happens when we step out into the truth of the word of God. And Jesus made it very clear. He lays it out as to how he wants us to do it. He makes it very clear. And so in your notes, we're going to go through the effects of a lying father versus a, a, a loving father and how they're different. So the first one in your notes, the words of a lying father debilitates. The words of a lying father debilitates, it weakens. That's the first point in your notes, if you're taking notes. He'll ask a question, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And, he's, and he goes after your identity. That's what he's doing. The enemy, the enemy will focus our attention on who we think we should be. Playing off our identity. Who we think we should be. Like, what's wrong with you? Oh, yeah, there's something wrong with me. I keep, I keep doing that. I keep messing up. Man, I'm a failure. Until we identify ourselves as a lie. What's wrong with me? Why did I do that? And his questions are condescending, but they're in a form of correction. They're always condescending. But in the form, it sounds like it would be correction. What's wrong with me? What was I thinking? But it's the lies of a father. And we have to be able to dif differentiate Who's speaking? Is it a loving father or is it a father who is lying? The voice we've may grown accustomed to over time. 1 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4 says, But to me it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself, for I am conscious of nothing against myself. Yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. You know, in this age of social media, there's a lot of examination. We can examine ourselves all the time and compare it to other people. But Paul is saying, I don't even examine myself because I don't know anything that I'm, I'm, I'm doing. The one who examines me really is the Lord. And there are things that we see that we need to fix in our lives, but then that will give us control of our own lives. But there's things that God knows that we need to fix. And those things that we think we need to adjust in our own life, could be coming from a lying father, the things in our own life, instead of a father of truth. So, the, so that's the words of a lying father, it debilitates. But the words of a loving father delivers. The words of a loving father delivers. And he won't ask you what's wrong with you. He won't ask what, you're, what are you doing. But he will ask you, where are you? Where are you? And he's going after your heart. You guys remember Adam and Eve in the garden after they sinned? God could have said, why did you do that? What were you thinking? What did I tell you? What's your problem? It sounds like correction. But it's condescending. The words of a loving father says, where are you? Where's your heart at? Come back home to me. Come back to me. I know you've, I know you fell. I know you made these mistakes. I get it. There's forgiveness. There's love. There's mercy. Come back home to me. Where are you? Where's your heart at? God is so concerned about our heart. He is so concerned to the point where he tells us to guard our hearts above all else for out of it flows the issues of life. And I'm learning that 
guarding your heart doesn't look like guarding it and keeping it from getting hurt. Guarding your heart looks like giving it away to the Lord. God, you take my heart because he's already after it. You take my heart. You take control. Have your way, Jesus, in me. Have your way. So he will ask you, where are you? Going after your heart. And Jesus will focus our attention on who he is. Like we read earlier, John 8.31 says, If you continue in my word, my words, not the words of the lying father that I just exposed, but if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So Jesus makes it very clear as to how we need to walk in this truth. How do we need to walk in the light of truth? And he tells us, so in your notes, how do we walk in the light of truth? Let's continue in Jesus' words. Continue in Jesus' words. Remember, he tells us, if you continue in my word, if you do, we're prone to, we're prone to stray. We're prone to not continue in his words, but continue in the words of other people. Maybe continue in the words of a lying father, but not continue in his truth. So continuing his word, and by, and by you doing that, that means you make his word a priority in your life. Make God's word a priority. You know, God convicted me the other day because I enjoy, I love getting to meet with people. Like, I love it. I love getting to talk to you, hang out, hear your heart, hear your story, chat about your life, about God, where you came from, where you're going. I love it. God convicted me, say, hey, I, I get because I wired you this way. I understand you love to meet with people. But why don't you start setting up a time with me consistently? Why don't we start meeting consistently? So make his word, as I'm trying myself, a priority. A priority in our lives. If we can really see how much he's worth, we'd make him a priority. Psalm 63.1 says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. Maybe it's, maybe not a morning person. Maybe you don't get up early. But maybe you're, you're a night owl like myself. I enjoy the night. Maybe it's at the night where you're just spending time with the Lord, just basking in his presence, being with him, allowing him to talk to you, playing some worship music, writing down what he's speaking to you, getting to differentiate his words over the, the father of lies words. Saying the thing is become a disciple. Become a disciple. Remember Paul's word, he says, follow me as I follow who? Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. So who are you following in your life right now that is following the Lord? Who is who are you following intentionally that's following Jesus? Who has God placed in your life in this season right now that you can follow as they follow Christ? So the second point there is find someone to confide in. Find someone to share your thoughts. Find someone to share your weaknesses. The Bible tells us in James 5.16, Therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Who are the 
Who are the, who are the righteous men and women in your life right now that you can start to, to look up to as they, as they look to Christ? And lastly, know the truth. Know the truth. This known truth is not only head knowledge. It is not head knowledge. There's a saying that goes, people don't care what you know until they know you care. It's amazing to know, but it's even more amazing when that truth, when that knowledge has become inside your heart and your spirit and you're living from the inside out. So how do you know the truth? By memorizing scripture. Memorize the word. So there's a verse you can memorize this week. Psalms 119.11 says, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. This is how we, we, we avoid temptation. This is how we say no to our flesh. It's treasuring the word of God in our hearts. And how do we treasure it? We memorize it. And I can tell you, there's a thousand practical ways to memorize the scripture. There's, I mean, there's a million ways out there you can do. But what works for me is probably not going to work for you. But I will say, when you prioritize that time with the Lord, whether it be in the morning or the evening, the word of God will come alive. And there's going to be a verse that you say in your heart, God, I have to get that in my soul. I have to get that in my spirit. I believe that. And I pray that over you right now, that as you make it, make it a priority, that the word of God will become so alive, so real, that you would say to yourself, I need to memorize this. Not so I can sound like I know what I'm talking about, but because I need the truth in my life. Because I need God's word to fill me. Because I'm tempted to believe the lives of the Father, of a lying father. That's why I need it. Because there's temptation all around me. That's why I need to memorize it. In closing, this is, has become one of my favorite verses, personally. You can write it down, it's not in the notes, but it's Psalm 51.6. I love it. It says, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. Our Father desires truth to be all in who we are. In our innermost being, God desires His truth. Not a false identity, not a lie from Satan, not who we think we should be, not pressures from our job, family, friends. God desires in the innermost being, the parts where you hide, the parts that nobody knows about, God desires His truth to reside there. So that when life does come and it crushes and it pressures us down, the truth is still standing. His word is alive. I love that verse so much because that shows me God's heart is that He cares about what's happening, not on the outside, but the inside. He desires His word to fill us in the deep places. If you wouldn't mind, why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads as I pray over you. I'm going to say a word of prayer that I want you to just think about, ask the Lord, what are some thoughts I've had that haven't been honoring to you? What are some thoughts I've had that I've believed about myself or who you are that has not been truth? And just ask the Lord to replace it with his truth, with his word, with his spirit and power. 
The worship team's gonna stay up here, they're gonna sing. I wanna encourage you, as you are praying, just allow the Lord to love on you. Allow his truth to be pressed in your heart. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your grace and for your mercies that are new for us every morning. I thank you, God, that you saw us where we were. God, we did nothing to deserve you. You reached out for us. We love you because you first loved us, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for forgiving us, for giving us new life. Thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit dwells in us and your spirit will lead us into all truth. Father, I thank you for every heart in this room. I pray that we would continue to seek your face. We would continue to seek your truth. And that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we will strengthen each other by your word. I thank you, Father, for loving us today, for giving us new life, for giving us a place to worship you. I ask that your word will be just planted in the hearts. And Father, we know that your word does not return to you void, but it will go out and accomplish what it was assigned for. I thank you, Father. We give you this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week.